Welcome to the Daily Download. I'm Brenna Nath, HW Plus Managing Editor here at HousingWire, and I'm excited for our guest on today's episode. Not only does he do an amazing job at breaking down the complex numbers in the housing industry, but he's also one of the best people at putting the information in a way we can all understand. So who am I talking about? Well, it's none other than Logan Madashami, who is housing data analyst and financial writer who you've hopefully seen on the website, and he's even penned a handful of HW Plus articles. If you're not a member of the HW Plus community, I do have a code just for our listeners. That code is HW Plus Podcast 100, which gets you $100 off our annual membership. Once again, that code is HW Plus Podcast 100. If you have any questions about signing up or if have any difficulties, feel free to shoot me an email at bnath at housingwire.com. So going back to today's episode, Logan talked about the biggest trends he is following in the housing market and data and what readers should look at in that housing data heading into the rest of the year. Most notably, though, Logan provides feedback on the MBA's purchase application data that just came out yesterday, breaking down how we now officially have witnessed a V-shaped recovery in the housing market. And as the man with all the data you need to pay attention to, this is an episode that you want to listen in closely to. But before we jump in, here's a word from our sponsor. Extraordinary challenges demand extraordinary solutions. CoreLogic is uniquely positioned to help you navigate this historic disruption. Whether it's virtual home showings, flexible employment verifications, or automated loan modification engines, CoreLogic delivers the data-driven solutions, targeted insights, and deep domain expertise trusted by the nation's most successful mortgage lenders. Explore how CoreLogic can help you today. Visit corelogic.com forward slash COVID-19. Before we jump into the interview, real quick, Logan, wanted to just say thank you for joining us. Your data is something we've all been closely following. We've even covered it on the podcast here. So first, thank you for joining us today. Great to be here. So jumping right into the first question that I have for you today, as someone who is closely following the housing market and data, what are the biggest trends you're following right now and why? Well, the first, first and most important thing is the United States housing market just had a legitimate V-shaped recovery. And we see that in the purchase application data. We saw today uh, uh, another high percentage year-over-year growth data line. We have had the hottest four-week period on a year-over-year average in the purchase application data is uh, going to have an 11-year high. And that, that matters because if you actually follow housing data, the year-over-year data for purchase application matters more than anything because it gives you the trend. It doesn't exactly give you a percentage to sales measure, but it gives you the trend. And that right there, after today, we can legitimately say that the United States of America V-shaped recovery in housing is complete. You know, the other the other aspects is always is housing is primarily driven by demographics and mortgage rates. And 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 as horrific as the virus has been, it can't kill off our uh, which I deem is the best demographic patch ever recorded in U.S. history, ages 20, 26 to 32, running into their first time home buyer year, median age is about 33. And then we have a lot of uh, uh, good homeowners uh, set up in their current homes. That is that is the primary thing that drives housing outside of then mortgage rates. And of course, whenever things get back, mortgage rates go lower. So those two things I, I primarily track, but because of the V-shaped recovery in housing, that is that shows that the United States housing market is the most outperforming sector in the entire world during this COVID crisis. 
You've mentioned before that you're waiting until July 15th to read housing data. What is the significance of this date? Okay, I'm a person that believes that we always have to connect the dots with economics, right? You know, even we, we label expansions and recessions, but, you know, economics never sleeps. So, you know, February 3rd for Housing Wire, I, I talked about the chaos theory, the butterfly effect, that this virus has the potential to draw down mortgage rates, draw down the stock market, create negative uh, GDP, but it can't kill off demographics or low rates. So initially we saw this big uh, downdraft and part of the AB, uh, America's Back Economic Model, was uh, the first thing and the most important thing was that we had to flatten the curve. I talked about this on, in April with Housing Wire, is that May 18th would be the day that I believe that based on all the virus data that we have around the world, that that would be the day we could flatten the curve and things start to open up. And about 30 to 60 days after that, that's when we should be looking at housing data. And that's where that July 15th date has come. And this was pri primarily being a generous person I am to let the housing bears know, don't jump into your crash thesis right away. You've been kind of wrong for seven years. It's going to be your eighth year. Be show a little bit of patience. Wait until July 15th, because then you're going to get all this June housing data about to come out. Then take it from here and look what's happened. We're not even on July the 4th yet, and we've had a V-shaped recovery in housing. So the May 18th flattening of the curve per the AB economic model was the facilitator of the July 15th uh, date to let's wait until then before you, you know, cast this big uh, uh, crash in housing. And if people would have done that, just showed a little bit of patience. Now you can see it's a, it's a much different landscape now. You've also mentioned that the worst part or the big fear of a housing crash has gone away. Why is that? Well, I think right away, when you think of housing, everyone is so focused on price, right? You know, and, and for myself, it's more about demographics, mortgage rates, but everybody is so worried about price because I think if prices collapse, nobody is going to want to buy a home. And what, what we saw is that, you know, people were not forced to sell their homes. I think that's the difference. I think a lot of kind of American bears or housing bears kind of thought that everyone would just drive themselves, similar to what the silver tsunami uh, thesis was, that everybody at one period of time would just put their homes in the market and will sell their homes at a discount because everyone's broke. That didn't happen. Inventory fell with demand, uh, with demand so you didn't see this uh, a big decline in prices. Then we've had this V-shaped recovery and seasonality, and this is a, this is a real important point. Seasonality has kicked in with the purchase application data. It might it might last a little bit, a uh, few more weeks than normal, but total volumes tend to fall. This doesn't mean that we don't focus on the purchase application data on a year-over-year -year basis, but total volumes tend to fall all the way back, all the way down to uh, January. So, kind of the the upfront demand that you would need to see in a housing collapse year has been taken away. You know, you don't you don't usually have that unless you have a an unbelievable outbreak of the virus in multiple states where you have to lock down. And I think that's the thing is that the lockdown itself, the fear of the virus, uh, uh, we hoarded toilet paper. We, uh, we hoarded our money. Our savings go, uh, glut is massive in America right now. So the fear of the virus took homes off the market, made people hold back from buying. And now that that's kind of going away for now, um, that V-shaped recovery happened in housing right away. What insight can you give our readers on what we should expect from housing for the rest of the year? And can you also dig into the possibility of a W-shaped recovery? Yes. So 
you know, we 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 had about a 17% year-over-year growth in purchase application before the virus, and the, the, the peak decline was about 35%. We had about a 52% uh, drop uh, in the data in a very short amount of time. Um, we probably can't sustain 18 to 21% year-over-year growth, and I think that's that that that's a key people should realize. This is the hottest four-week period we've had this year. So don't look for these you know, 18, 21, 25% year over year kind of uh, data lines, that's probably going to cool down because housing at some point when that V-shape happens and existing home sales start to come back up again, we're probably going to flatten out at somewhere because uh, we're not going to go to six, you know, or, or six and a half existing home sales uh, uh, prints this year. So watch that area where you flatten out and just keep an eye on the year over year data, even though total volumes are falling. We used to have our best sales prints actually come in the winter. You know, a lot of people think it's spring or summer, but you know, in the previous expansion, our best sales print always came in in the winter months. So as supply grows, we'll get sales back, and just keep an eye on the year-over-year data. Even if it's only five, six, seven, eight percent, that's good enough because we got that V-shaped right back uh, in the last four weeks. So I think that's what you want to see. And in, regarding the virus, you know, once you get to lockdown protocols. Uh, or stay-at-home orders, then, you know, obviously some people will retrace back. I'm not sure if we'll get the same type of reaction as we did early on, because, you know, for months we didn't even know there was a virus here. Uh, so people are, are more leery and aware, uh, aware of it, but credit stress has gotten a lot better. This is why I've always uh, focused on the St. Louis Financial Stress Index. Uh, uh, is, if the St. Louis Financial Stress Index stays low, uh, and we don't have a mass scale shutdown of the uh, uh, of cities and, and states. I, I don't I don't see a, a W in housing. Uh, there's certain sectors that could see a W, of course, uh, tourism, hotels. You know, uh, air air travel hasn't even really bounced back too hard. Those areas are more at risk. But housing right now, as long as credit stays good and, and we don't have these wide scale shutdowns, a W would be unlikely in housing. With you know, since we're coming up to July. That insight is helpful to hear from you, especially as we're all looking ahead to the rest of 2020. Jumping into the next question, you recently wrote an HW Plus article on this, which I also wanted to touch on here. If you had to quickly list what the ugly is in the housing market right now, what would you list or expand on? You know, the ugly side is is kind of two different uh, uh, areas. Number one, it's obviously you, you can see in this COVID uh, recession, the haves and have nots, you know, homeowners, uh, uh, people that have certain types of jobs, they're able to keep their jobs, they're able to work at home, they're able to enjoy low interest rates. Uh, but the stress is really on the renter side. That's where the, the brunt of the job losses have been, uh, where we where we call people essential workers. They're not paid like essential workers. And, you know, we, we've given a lot of money uh, in the CARES Act to facilitate uh, uh, their rent payments. But that's, you, you can really see that in, in a barbell type of economy, the haves and have nots, especially in housing, and it really shows itself, you know. So it, it, if unemployment benefits go away or, or if they don't have access to that kind of money and, and they don't get their jobs back, you're going to see this rental deflationary problem. Uh, the secondary thing is that, you know, um, this is the greatest economic short-term shock of our lifetimes. It's a health crisis first. Uh, housing is is a process. And that, that's one of the reasons why, you know, I, I wanted to alert people, don't get too bearish on housing in this year, because we just had the longest economic and job expansion ever. But when you have a shock like this, 
creating a household, dating, renting, dating, having a mate, marriage, these things get delayed. Uh, uh, so it'll be interesting to see you know, how the household formation data looks like in the next year or two or what the birth rates look like, because you can't have a titanic shock like this that throws a wrench in the entire process of future home buyers uh, and not have some kind of negative effect. That, that's kind of the ugly part uh, that I see in the housing market uh, this year. And to wrap today's podcast, I know a lot of listeners look to you for insight and input on what is happening in the industry. So for this final question, what is something that you think our audience should be paying attention to that they aren't? Um, always credit, right? You know, this economy is based on credit. So the financial stress index is something that people should religiously follow week to week because typically when housing is is is, is moved by credit, when credit tightens up, like you know, the, in a great recession, that was a big deal. And for me, this year, like the the unsung hero of 2020 was that Freddie and Fannie uh, uh, didn't freeze up. Why? Because they're part of the government. Because they're part of the government, not publicly traded companies on their own. Uh, they don't have they they have a lot of ability to move around and. The fact that they were allowed to, you know, not only help American families, but to keep credit going uh, facilitates housing demand. Because I think people forget, we still have over 133 million people working. You know, the existing home sales, the base mortgage buyer is about 4 million. So you're not asking a lot out of housing. But if credit froze, then it impacts the entire sector. Uh, and we did have the mortgage market meltdown in March. But keep an eye on on credit because if credit freezes, that would be the one thing that could impact the housing data for the last uh, six months of the year. Thanks for sharing that extra piece of insight with us, Logan. I know our listeners value not only you breaking down the data that just came out, but also sharing some insight into the rest of 2020. To our listeners, thank you for continuously joining us on the Daily Download, and we'll meet you here again tomorrow.